Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks, so quick caveat to this upcoming episode. Unfortunately, the audio recording on my end ended up getting corrupted somehow and you won't be hearing the clear crisp tones that you're currently hearing via my blue yeti mic so keep that in mind i apologize for the lower quality audio it is being stripped and ripped from our skype recording so you will hear me in somewhat less than optimal audio quality but you'll fortunately be able to hear alan riley via a crisp and clear mic of his own so so yeah, just keep that in mind. And again, I apologize for the uh, the sound quality, but hopefully the conversations will make up for that. So yeah. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where if you're having trouble seeing the vision for this bipolar, crazy-ass Lakers team and season, well, don't worry, because LaGoggle James is here with the spectacle (laughs) and the spectacles. LeBron James worthy with the lenses. Hey, um, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why there was a big pause there. I am obviously joined by hey. Alan, my co-host Alan Riley, who you see him la- or you hear him laughing in the background there. Uh, Alan, welcome back to the show after a brief hiatus once again. It is the month of December as we speak. Uh, how you doing? What's up, dude? Doing good. Uh, yeah, LeBron worthy, LeBron Abdul Jabbar, LeBron Grant, like Horace Grant. <laughs> who else got the goggles going on? I think John Sally wore goggles. Let's let's Laker. keep it with the the higher end names of Kareem Abdul Jabbar. <laughs> <laughs> that, that really uh, took a nosedive there <laughs> right at the end. Because, like I mentioned, LeBron is bringing it with the spectacles, but also the spectacle and the production to back it up. Um, so, Alan, we haven't had you on for about a month now. The Lakers are starting to take a turn for the better. It seems like every time we say that, they do something stupid, and we're right back where we started be feeling disappointed but over the last six or seven games or so the lakers are starting to actually blow teams out win by double digits uh deandre jordan's been out of the rotation russell westbrook's been pretty consistent austin reeves is back almost not having missed a beat dwight howard starting here and there whether it's dwight starting or 80 uh, at the five we've definitely seen a more dynamic look by the lakers in the starting lineup 
four out of the Lakers' last six games have been of the double-digit blowout variety, which I never saw coming considering this entire season we were barely eking out wins over some of the worst teams or we were getting blown out by some of the worst teams. So this team, Alan, has improved offensively, but they've also definitely improved defensively, which, you know, with a Frank Vogel team, I guess, is no surprise. But to contextualize it, on the whole, the Lakers are 15 and 13. I believe they're in sixth place in the Western Conference, but they're pretty much tied with the fourth seed as well, uh, well within grasp. Over the last 10 games, the Lakers are 17th in offensive rating, which doesn't sound great, but considering that on the year they're 23rd, and I think like the first half of the season they were up in that like 20 to 25 range offensively for a team that was constructed to be an offensive powerhouse, I will take 17th in offensive rating over the last 10 games. So the biggest improvement has actually come defensively, where the Lakers over the last 10 games are fourth in defensive rating with a 105.6. On the season as a whole, they're actually 11th, which is pretty solid. Although, obviously, the start of the season, it was looking pretty bad. And I think we were hovering in that, you know, 17 to 20 range. But now on the season, we're 11th in defensive rating, fourth in defensive rating over the last 10 games. Uh, we are also seventh in overall net rating over the last 10 games. We're in the top 10. It's crazy. With a 4.9. On the season, we're 19th. So it just shows you the big leap that we've made. It being that being the fact that we are 19th in net rating over the entirety of this season with a minus 0.4 but over the last 10 we are a positive 4.9 so things are looking good so alan just in terms of what i just laid out and maybe the vibe it has been literally okay maybe feeling positive here and then feeling depressed for a couple of games and then trying to grasp for anything sustainable with this freaking team and it's just been frustrating, you know, and you almost at this point don't even want to believe in any sort of positive trend because it could fall off a cliff at any moment. But how are you feeling at the moment? Because, Alan, it, this isn't a turning point. We've done the turning point thing too many times. I'm calling it, Alan, a churning point. It's bubbling. <laughs> a churning point. <laughs> also, I just don't want to say turning point anymore. So your thoughts on the team recently and what's, what's like, stood like out to you? Like your stomach is bubbling because you don't feel good? Like that kind of bubbling? Let's hope not. You know, with this team, it could be a good turning or a bad turning. Let's see where it goes. So how have okay. you felt about this team and what stood out to you? We'll get into specific players in a bit, but more from a general sense. Well, since it's almost the new year, you know, pop some bubbly. Why don't we just kind of go with that celebratory, you know, positive kind of a theme. Uh, like you said, we're not turning a corner, even though I just said the phrase, but um, I'm, I'm feeling pretty optimistic about this game against the Mavs tomorrow. Um, I, I do think, you know, Dallas isn't playing particularly well at this point either. And, uh, we're heading out on the road for a long trip. Uh, Dallas is a playoff team. So, uh, I, I do think that, you know, there's, there's no coincidence, obviously, that this turnaround, you know, you, you took different chunks and periods of time and, uh, you know, mentioned what our offensive defensive ratings have been, uh, lineup changes, rotation, uh, adjustments and things of that nature. And, um, yeah, there's no coincidence that things have been looking up since those changes have been made since, uh, we're getting a little bit healthier. The fact that LeBron, you know, has, I think everybody knows now, like 
30 points eight times this season, but he's only played 16 games. Um, there's a handful of players who've, you know, had 30 plus point games uh, around that many times, and they've all played like every game this season. So LeBron is having one of those, you know, kind of renaissance, whatever uh, types of stretches right now. So um, assuming that, you know, he is able to stay healthy, you know, and all that. So fingers crossed. Um, I mean, he's put the team on his back. <laughs> I think that that is pretty much how we can sum uh, what this positive stretch has been. Um, even without AD being in the lineup, you know, it, it's things are starting to click a lot more. Um, I think defensively, uh, maybe we are starting to find somewhat of an identity, a little bit more cohesiveness uh, on that end of the floor. Uh, obviously, these are coming against like seller dweller types of teams. But I mean, again, I think ad nauseum, we've heard about the third quarter uh, the other night, of course, against Orlando. But uh you know, Orlando played pretty well against the Clippers just the day before that, and we shut them down. They only scored 10 points in that quarter. They only had one made field goal for like 10 and a half minutes or something, and I mean, they're an NBA team, right? So you that's not something to even be taken with a grain of salt. That's absolutely something that can be celebrated. So you just hope that, you know, there's a time when we just said, I just want to see them play well for one quarter, <laughs> like one solid quarter out of the entire four quarters of a game and I'll be happy. And obviously we have been able to sustain that type of effort and that continuity over the past week or so. And uh, yeah, I I'm starting to start to feel a little bit more hopeful. Indeed. And I think the double digit wins is a testament to us sustaining it a little bit more, right? Because how many times have we blown like 15 to 20 point leads, but it's great that we're actually finally pulling it through at the very end and still having a double digit win at the end of the day. You mentioned LeBron James. Another big thing is, you know, Dwight Howard being inserted into the rotation, taking DJ out. And lo and behold, you take DJ out for a few games, you put him back in and he's motivated and he plays actually pretty well for like, you yeah, know, the no very short stint that he's in there because once again you're you're keeping him accountable right uh and Dwight Howard's starting to turn the corner with him being a little bit more you know kind of like his first season with the Lakers where he looked like he had butter fingers and he didn't look very athletic you know I think Dwight Howard has his moments where it's like oh he kind of looks washed but I think overall it takes a little bit of time ramp up time for Dwight Howard to also find his legs and I think we're starting to see that and at the very least he's always bringing the energy and activity sometimes that's bad but usually for this team it's a good thing right because you're in lack of players like that who just have that sort of mentality so I think overall Yes, a positive turning point thus far. Um, okay, so quick note, I'll just get this out of the way. Tomorrow is December 15th, meaning a majority of players signed this offseason can be traded. Uh, THT, however, is not eligible to be traded till January 15th, so keep that in mind. But everybody is interested in THT. The Lakers are apparently interested in everyone. Allen, including Ben Simmons. I don't know how they're going to get that done. Um, the Trade Lakers everyone. have, yeah, <laughs> Lakers have reportedly been mulling the idea of trading Russell Westbrook. Yeah, okay, good luck. Um, let's table all those talks for now because uh, because our one main asset can't be traded till the fifteenth anyway. So up until that point, it's all speculation, and we'll have some future episodes and segments detailing those talking points. But let's continue to talk about this team and particularly LeBron James because congratulations LeBron Western Conference player of the week I don't know how many times he's done that over his career but it's a hell of a lot uh Alan this dude LeBron is going to turn 37 on December 30th 
uh, that is crazy. I don't know if you compare the cross evaluation chart of what dudes at, at year 37 were doing, but it, they definitely weren't doing what LeBron James is doing right now. Kevin Willis was pretty good back in his day, man. I don't know. Kevin Willis. <laughs> yeah. I think Kevin Willis played till he was like 43. and I He was think super old when he was playing. Yeah. Udonis Haslam is trying to challenge him right now. I think Udonis is like 40, 41. Anyways, we're talking about LeBron James, soon to be 37-year-old. Not even from a statistical standpoint, Alan, but that last game where he was volleyball spiker from hell. Dude yes. coming in like Thor with his hammer to block these shots. Like LeBron looked like a superhero out there going for these blocks. You know, if you... It's almost like not a dunk contest, but like a block <laughs> contest for LeBron. Like it looked like an all-star weekend event, you know? Um, and then outside of that, LeBron James this year, career high in three-point makes. He's hitting 2.8 a game, 2.83s a game. I think that'll regress as it usually does. But right now we're in one of those stretches where LeBron is just hitting everything from the outside. 2.8 a game, which would be a career high. He's also shooting his best free throw percentage since 2011 with the Miami Heat. So this year he's shooting 76.7% from the line, which is crazy. 2011, he shot 77%. So if he can continue to hover in that 75% range, that would be huge. And then also, he is also averaging his highest steal rate since 2011 with Miami. Sorry, not steal rate, but steal average. I'm sure steal rate falls along the same lines as well, but he's Averaging 1.9 steals this season, uh, the highest since 2011 when he also averaged 1.9. But outside of all the stats and everything, Alan, what have you seen from LeBron James more specifically in terms of how he's been able to carry us? Because he's kind of been doing it on both ends. Yes, will he have some lapses defensively? Of course, because he's carrying such a huge load. But when it comes to cleaning up for people's mistakes, the, that high steal rate and high steal average, along with all of a sudden him jumping out of the gym to erase these shots and you know the chase down block, the signature LeBron James chase down, it's sort of been infectious for this team, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I feel like he's even like on the offensive end, making it more of a point to, this sounds silly, but like to dunk versus just like laying it up. You know what I mean? Because like they are momentum plays. Um, yes. Him, as Jer as uh, James Worthy said the other day, trying to smack Jerry West off the corner of the backboard the other day with that block shot. I mean, like he doesn't have to <laughs> wind up as hard as he freaking right. can and try to like crack the backboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the volleyball, you know, types of, you know, spikes and things like that. Those are like showmanship, momentum swinging. Let's, let's really like amp this up for the team. Like you said, it becomes infectious. Um, what you're saying is he's trying to make a statement absolutely. to the team and to the league. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It's totally intentional. Yeah, dude. It, it's just crazy that, he is impacting all facets of the game at this stage of his career. And he's doing it in a very like magnificent way. You know what I mean? Which it sounds absurd because like we're talking about LeBron, of course it is. But I, I think it's that the, this is coming during very like critical junctures in the game as well, um, where they are major momentum swingers and, yeah, dude, it's just like we have to stay in the moment and really appreciate what the heck is going on here. You know, um, I, I think that us being seasoned veterans and watching the greats play like Kobe, like there are absolutely times where like, dude, Kobe is just 
a madman right now. We have to like soak this in because this doesn't happen all the time. Um, regardless of how this season turns out, championships and all that stuff, I think that like that game the other day is one that's implanted in my memory forever. It was such a statement game. For sure. No, that's a really good point to stay in the moment and not forget that in the midst of trying to pull together a season that was seemingly from hell, that LeBron James is doing stuff that's unprecedented for a 36-year-old, 37-year-old, 34, 33, 32-year-old. You know, I, I don't even know what <laughs> yeah, where I went totally. there. I think I went up and down the scale <laughs> of ages. That didn't make any sense. But you know, you guys you know. get what I'm saying. And it's, uh, it's really incredible to watch. And the, I mean, the one word of caution I'd probably give is I don't think we want him to keep doing this and keep shouldering this heavy burden because the other thing that comes, the downside that comes with him hitting a career high rate in three-point shots is that he's taking more three-point shots than he's ever taken. So that kind of lends to, yeah, he's doing these incredible things, but let's say his three-point shot wasn't falling. In that sense, like you maybe hope that he wasn't so reliant on that three-point shot or perimeter-oriented. But I think you just naturally have to account for some regression age-wise, right? So the fact that he can find a way to still, you know, put together such incredible statistical nights and feats while accounting for the fact that he is just getting older and he needs to find ways to curve that a little bit or curb that um, is great because, again— one way to do that is shooting the highest free throw percentage you have in like 10 years, right? Or shooting better from three-point land. You just kind of worry whether or not he can sustain it for a full season. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Right now, LeBron's holding up his end of the bargain, period, right? He's just got to keep sleeping. He's got to get in those eight hours a night and then a four-hour nap right after eating breakfast and keep doing that. You know, he'll be good to go. Yeah, keep using that Calm app that he's been advertising. Uh, okay, right. before we take it to break, Alan, another huge proponent to the Lakers sort of weathering the storm here has really been Russell Westbrook, who over the last few weeks has kind of found a groove. And it seems like he knows when to put the foot on the gas pedal, when to take it off. And because, you know, he's had recent games where he's scoring 20 points and then all of a sudden he'll only take nine shots. Right. He's kind of, I think, doing a better job of temperature checking the game a little bit. Um so Russell Westbrook over the last 10 games is averaging 20 points, 50% from the field, 42% from three, hitting 1.3 a game. He's shooting 70% from the free throw line. You obviously wish that was a little bit higher, but considering how he started, 70% is actually improvement. It's like 50% before. Yeah, exactly. So 70% from the free throw stripe, 6.8 rebounds, eight assists, one steal. And I think overall, just in terms of what you've seen in terms of style of play, He's cut the turnovers down significantly as well. He's still averaging like four, but beginning of the season was like six, seven turnovers, right? But regardless, in terms of on-court play, I've been really impressed with the relentless driving, the acrobatic finishes, the pace pushing he's been doing, and really kind of forcing the issue physicality-wise, whether it's him driving into people's bodies, and you know he should be getting and ones on a lot of these plays, but he's not. But he's still forcing the issue and still finishing the rabid rebounding on full display where he'll snatch it out of the freaking air and then just race down to the to the other end of the court and lay it in. Like I mentioned, he's dialed things back for the betterment of the team here and there. He's starting to cut and move off ball. Like LeBron has been finding him for those really easy layups where he'll all of a sudden like be right under the basket and just fill up that space, which has been really impressive. And, you know, as usual, creating easy looks for our shooters, including LeBron James. So what have your thoughts been on Westbrook sort of being steady Westbrook? Right, for sure. Um, 
I think he's also learning how to pick his spots, you know, when to assert himself uh, to attack the paint. And I think that just his timing has gone better because he was missing a lot of chippies when the season started. He was getting to the cup, um, but he just wasn't able to convert, you know, for whatever reason. And he himself said during his press conferences that he's notoriously a slow starter. So um, I I think that those things are starting to fall into place. Uh, He's not shooting his patented mid-range jump shot quite as often but when he does you know he's shooting it on the elbow he's banking it in he's doing his Tim Duncan you know kind of a thing but uh you know I don't remember if it was the game that we were at together where the uh the crowd was kind of groaning yes (laughs) yeah it was that game yeah very audibly um every single time you know yep the ball basically and you know it was it was like comical the people around us you know they were like pass the ball <laughs> like every <laughs> single time it like i felt bad you know like because everyone was kind of getting a kick out of it and uh, well we so- i kind yeah I, well i kind of wish that we were we could have been to the celtics game because when russ yeah. was revving up the crowd because i think what you were about to get to is stark contrast from that charlotte game so yeah, go ahead. yeah since then like, we are not saying that, though. And if, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, I mean, when was that? Like, about a month ago? Less than a month ago? So really hasn't been that long, right? But the improvement has been pretty drastic. So um, I, I think that people are actually starting to recognize that Russ is, uh, you know, he's starting to fit in, for sure. And or fit out, whatever you want to say, you know, because LeBron's like, no, you got to fit out. I, I think he's fitting out and in and in and out, like, perfectly at this point. Um, you're right, though. Like, there are games where, in terms of his, like, aggressiveness when it comes to scoring, like, he dials it back a lot. And that's perfectly fine, right? Like, we don't need him to be shooting the ball 15-plus times per game because he's finding other ways to impact the team. I think his defense is another thing that has been very, very underrated that people just aren't talking about. So I'd urge people to just pay attention to, uh, you know, him jumping the passing lanes and him anticipating things on the defensive end, too, and how that gets us going in transition. So, um, yeah, very, very pleased with his his progress. Yeah, no, for sure. And... Yeah, it's been it's it's been crazy how he's sort of leveled out. And I think the biggest thing for Russell Westbrook, right, that you always wish that he would do is and something that you were concerned about with him coming into this team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis is how well is this guy going to read the room? And I think he's done a pretty good job of reading the room in terms of what does his teammates need on this night? Is Does LeBron James have it going? Should I be the one to take a step back, et cetera, et cetera? Do I need to you know, put my foot on the gas pedal and try to drum up some energy and activity for the rest of this team because everybody's kind of lollygagging around. So I feel like he's picked his spots really well recently. Are you going to get that transition pull-up mid-range jump shot here and there? Yeah, for sure. It's still very annoying and unnecessary, but it's lessening and he's... um, And yeah, I think whenever he does have one of those like brain fart turnovers, he's, I think, making a conscientious effort to make sure he doesn't do it three times in a row, as we've actually seen before. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And doing more off-ball, I think, is the better thing, like, to counteract those moments where, you know, he may just be frazzled a little bit and shouldn't have the ball in his hands. So uh, props to Russell Westbrook. We'll take it to break. When we return, we'll close this episode out talking about some of the younger guys as well. Hey, everybody. Looking for a new podcast to binge while you do some Christmas gift wrapping or some Christmas party celebration grocery shopping? Well, might I suggest the Knuckleheads podcast. 
The Knuckleheads podcast is hosted by former NBA players Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. They did the fist head bump, as you all know. Uh, They are in the seventh season of doing this podcast, and the Knuckleheads podcast brings on some of the best NBA players, past and present, to have totally unguarded conversations about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. As you may or may not know, NBA veterans Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles are lifelong friends and bona fide truth tellers. This is their seventh season of doing this podcast, so listen as they invite special guests, high-profile athletes, musicians, and other entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories from the golden era of sports and culture. Named for the on-court celebration they made wildly popular, this unfiltered, hilarious, and surprising podcast is like playing NBA 2K with no fouls. So don't be a knucklehead, as Charles Barkley would say, and listen to the Knuckleheads podcast with Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles this holiday season. All right, we are back. And Alan, before we get to Austin Reeves and Taylor Horton Tucker, I do want to give a shout out to Avery Bradley because Tommy and I have been on this dude's case lately. Um... Having so, I think what Avery Bradley had that twenty-two point game against OKC, yeah, where he threes. hit like six threes or something like that, or yeah, some something ridiculous. He was on fire, so give him all the credit. And I think outside of that, he was just you know face guarding uh, Shea Gilgis to to no end, right, and really harassing him. And he's done that a couple of times for different people. And I I think there's no denying the energy and hustle that Avery Bradley brings out there on the court. Having said all of that. Having said all of that, I can I can praise Avery Bradley, but having said all of that, the dude's averaging like 23 minutes on the season, and we have guys who are healthy now that could use some of those minutes. Wayne Ellington, we need more Malik Monk minutes, THT obviously, but now he's in health and safety protocols. Austin Reeves finally got back into the rotation, and he's like getting 18, 20 minutes all of a sudden. But look, this is 23 minutes that could be going to other guys, and I just want to remind everybody that Avery was never part of this team's plan. You know, he was li- he was literally like signed the day before the season as an insurance break in case of emergency type guy, and all of a sudden he's a starter. Now I know that Frank Vogel likes to use him as a poster boy for this is how I want you guys to play defensively. He's our much, much, much better Ronnie Price. He is our much, much better Bonnie Price for sure. I'm sorry to invoke those memories. Exactly. Might I suggest we take that poster boyness and just put it on a poster? You know, or a postcard. The, or a postcard, exactly. Because I don't think he necessarily needs to be starting physically to invoke that type of spirit or even getting 23 minutes a game, right? Because here's the thing, and this is something I told Tommy in the last podcast, Alan. We're going to reach a bottleneck situation soon when Kendrick Nunn comes back and when Trevor Ariza comes back where minutes are just going to be hard to come by. And so right now you actually have minutes to use. And for some reason, they're all going to Avery Bradley and we still need to work Kent Bazemore back into the rotation. You know, I brought up Reeves, Monk, Wayne Ellington, but Bazemore needs to get a shot again. You know, so when is it? Is it are we finally going to reach that moment where that musical chairs moment where we're past the Avery Bradley period? I don't know. I don't know if that's coming. I kind of hope it is. But, you know, you give credit to Avery on the good games. But look, Avery still only scored in double digits in three out of his last 10 games, along with three games in that stretch where he put up zero points. So, you know, he's done some good things, but it's not consistent. And if anything, Alan, I feel like his 22-point explosion where he was hitting every shot from the outside against OKC is almost like a poster for what we could be more consistently if we had a legit shooter. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, Avery showed you the template, but Avery's not that guy on a night-to-night basis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So with that said, I mean, just your quick thoughts on it. Any, anything else you want to add uh, with Avery Bradley? Because I feel like, do you remember when Luke used to deploy Meta World Peace towards the end of his season uh, into yeah. stretches of games just to drum up the energy? Yeah. But that would be it, right? Let's like let out the beast. Um, I almost wish <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the way Vogel would treat Avery. Like, if we need that burst, put him in kinda just like to show guys. Like, kind of what Frank does with Rondo. Every now and then, you throw Rondo in there. And now that he's, like, barely, he's, like, kind of the Jared Dudley of the team now, uh, just in terms of minutes and things like that. But when Doe comes in at this point, you know what you're going to get, and it's going to be good. Yeah. So, do you agree with pretty much what, where I'm going here with Avery Bradley? Or are you like, I no, do. I like no, no, Frank's no, no. 23 minutes. <laughs> No, man, 23 is a lot of minutes for that kind of a, kind of a player, man. Um, it's like, how many minutes was Kuz getting last year? I feel like maybe a shade under 20, like right around there, you know? Like, is Avery Bradley that type of rotation dude? Like, I don't know. Um, I, I guess one thing that you can take some comfort in is knowing that although this year maybe Vogel is adjusting on the slower side, you know he does make adjustments, though. Like, if you think back to... Uh, the championship year when JaVale and Dwight and in the playoffs were not playing any minutes whatsoever, but they were always ready, you know, to go. And, um, you know, he wasn't afraid to make bold moves like that that might rub players the wrong way. Uh, same with like Markeef. At, at some point, Markeef lost his role in the rotation as well. And then the playoffs, he played extremely well for us. So I, I feel like I could imagine if AB goes through some sort of drought, which is probably inevitable, like hopefully Frank realizes that, yes, he brings something positive to the table on defense, but it's not worth sacrificing all of the offense to play this guy that many minutes. Like you're, you're telling, I, I know Malik Monk makes a lot of like mental errors and defensively he could be so much better, but offensively, like, does it really justify, <laughs> you know, not playing him? Uh, so I, I hope that sometime soon we'll start to see a little bit more balance or it might come straight up in terms of like, okay, AB, like you're benched, period. And we're going to go back to Bays because that guy hasn't played in like 12 months. Um, there, there's no way Baysmore is going to come back as cold as he was. Like, I get it, you know. Um, so there is precedence for Frank Vogel switching things up kind of on a dime and it actually paying off. So let's hope that he does that. Yeah, I hope he does that because Wayne Ellington only getting seven minutes in a game, even though he's already played, you know, a couple games this season. I mean, he's played for like the past couple weeks, you know, and I even feel like Monk and Ellington both are actually trying defensively and they've improved. So reward them, you know, and they're not going to be Avery Bradley level type of intensity. But as we've shown, you know, Avery Bradley's more of a, he he puts his hands he puts his spirit <laughs> fingers out on defense you know but it doesn't necessarily translate statistically to the overall defensive rating of the team if that makes any sense like Avery Bradley is all action and flash right now and he does have moments where he's literally harassing the point of attack sort of primary creator on the other end right but in the aggregate it's like you said in the aggregate it's not helping you enough defensively that you, you're probably just better off putting in a Wayne Ellington or, or a Malik Monk or something. So um, with that said, Alan, let's talk about the return of Austin Reeves. Man, HBK. So the hustle, the fundamentals, the scrappiness, 
the high basketball IQ that he always plays with, you know, filling in the gaps, diving into open space, making himself found by LeBron James and then finishing from there. It's like all so simple, yet you rarely see dudes do it. You know what I'm saying? Especially these high end lottery type dudes. Um, his and, and then he even shows some instances of upside with his like herky jerky dribbles and hezies, his ability to finish with contact or even get shots up even when he's bumped. Um, he's got that lethal pump fake into his smooth, smooth pull up jumper that is just so textbook. Um, his three point shot's been a little shaky, but I think that will come around just naturally because he was he was known as a three point shooter in college before his last stint at was it Oklahoma? Oklahoma, Oklahoma, yeah. yeah. So Alan. Out of all rookies who have averaged at least 12 minutes a game and played in at least 16 games, meaning if they've done all those things, they're a regular part of the rotation, can you guess where Austin Reeves ranks in terms of net rating? Ooh, out of all rookies who, okay. Uh, I'm gonna they say play 12 minutes a game, 16 games at least. I'm going to say he's ranked seventh. Okay. So close, <laughs> close. Okay, all right, cool, cool. Out of all rookies averaging at least 12 minutes a game who've played at least 16 games this season, again, meaning they're a regular part of the rotation, Austin Reeves is number one in his rookie class in net Shut rating. Up. With, wow. With an 8.9 net rating. So Austin Reeves has played exactly 16 games. He has averaged 18.9 minutes, which is 11th most minutes averaged amongst rookies. As a two-way player, undrafted dude, to be 11th most minutes on a, uh, as a rookie on a contending team, it's crazy. So uh, Corey Kispert and Evan Mobley are second and third right after him. Evan Mobley is obviously the more flashy name because he has a he's actually carrying a huge load with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are surprisingly competitive this yep. season. But on the Lakers, Austin Reeves is also number one in net rating. <laughs> so he is. So he's holding up that Alex Caruso plus minus net rating <laughs> champion stat thing. Uh, he's holding up that mantle very well. Uh, LeBron James follows him with a 3.9 net rating, followed by Dwight Howard with a 3.5. Now, obviously, net rating is a very noisy stat. There's a lot that goes into it, including how much of the load are you carrying, right? What units and rotations are you being put in to succeed or whatever? I think what you can take away from all of this is not that Austin Reeves is the best player on the Lakers or Austin Reeves is the best rookie out of all the rookies. It's just that the eye test shakes out with Reeves being a pretty versatile plug-and-play type player who kind of makes any unit he's placed in hum, which is probably why he has the highest net rating. It's like you could put him on any unit and he's the glue guy sort of. So what have your thoughts been on Austin Reeves? Yeah, to be honest with you, I feel like you you covered everything that I was thinking about him. Um, you can just count on him, right, to like make the right play. Um, he's never going to hold on to the ball for too long. Oftentimes, he gets put in really crappy situations. Actually, like the shot clock is running out, and then someone like throws the grenade to him. It's like okay, like throw it, <laughs> you know, and he just has to. Um, but. You, you would think that with a rookie unheralded, you know, not even drafted, all that kind of stuff, that there would be moments in games where he's a bit overwhelmed, his decision-making is just not there, you get a little bit flustered, you dribble the ball too much, whatever it is. But he's the kind of guy where the ball's never sticking, right? He'll he'll make his, his one move or whatever it is, whether it's to drive, to pass, to shoot, and if it's not there, he moves the ball immediately, and then he himself moves really well without the ball too. And, and, like, that's the name of the game. That's what it should be. You're never going to see that guy just standing around and being stagnant. 
Uh, so that is, I think, why, like you said, he's a he's a glue guy. He can fit into any lineup. It doesn't matter um, who else is out there with him. So you said he's averaging 18 minutes per game. That's actually more than I thought. Uh, I want even more than I think that he should be getting 23 <laughs> minutes per game. And yeah, then give, sure. AB, give AB those 18, you know. Um, and the fact that, you know, he came off of his injury and he had to kind of ramp things back up and get his rhythm. I think his timing and his sea legs were kind of off. And now he's totally back uh, in that flow. So it's going to be really exciting just to see, um, you know, the type of role that he continues to play, even when, uh, you know, Kendrick Nunn gets healthy, when Ariza gets healthy, like you said, it's going to be tough for guys to get minutes, but I don't see uh, his fair share diminishing. You know, I hope not. Yeah, for sure. So to close this episode out, I want to talk about his other young counterpart, the dude who just turned 21, Taylor Horton Tucker, who is unfortunately in health and safety protocols right now, just as he was literally turning the corner, starting to find a stride with the starters and learning how to be honestly a more all-around, well-rounded player who doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands. He's starting to become Austin Reeves, kind of, you know what I'm saying? But with all the upside that makes THT the unicorn that he is, right? So Taylor Horton Tucker over his last four games is averaging 13 points, 46.7% from the field, 33% from three-point line, which you wouldn't think is that amazing. But given he was shooting like 20%, right. 33% is great. He's hit 1.33s a game. The last game he hit three threes, I believe, and then he hit yep. two threes a game before that. Three rebounds, 3.5 assists, 2.3 steals. A lot of that buoyed by the six-steal game he had the last game. That was a career-high six steals. So I think given the context of which... Taylor Horton Tucker had to come back into the, this rotation with having been out of the first like month of the season, barely getting to play preseason. Like this is his situation, okay? With LeBron James back, Taylor Horton Tucker has only played 10 games with LeBron because you know, as you know, LeBron James has been in and out, whether it's the health and safety protocols or getting suspended. He's been in and out even when he was back, right? Taylor Horton Tucker has only started with all of the big three. So Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook for a total of six games, just six games with all of the big three. Before these last four games where he sort of hit his stride, people were freaking out over how bad he looked as a starter over two games in which they had seen him start with the big three, you know, and that he's only done it at six total games. How do you expect a guy who just turned 21, who's now been tasked to Hey, you're going to be a starter all of a sudden, and we want you to be the try and be the team's best wing defender. And then also, I know you're used to having the ball in your hands, but try and be effective off ball. That's a lot to take in as a dude who just turned 21 and who started his season off going for like 17 points, 28 points, like 24 points his first three games. You know, that's like a huge paradigm shift for THT. So the fact that people were kind of, I get it, he looked terrible. But the fact that people are freaking out and kind of already writing the tale for THT after those games, it's kind of crazy, you know? So what have your thoughts been on just how he's sh kind of shown some metal and learned really quickly on the fly here? You know, it's only been like two or three games where all of a sudden he's improved from that initial start where people were kind of losing their minds. And even though, Alan, I think we can all objectively say his play style probably suits him coming off the bench better because he can have the ball in his hands more. I think this plan to force him to learn how to be a winning complementary player will help his growth 
as a more well-rounded player better in the long run, whether that's individually for him, but also us as a team, because we know what THT can do with the ball in his hands. It's a wild roller coaster ride of Julius Randleness, you know, rookie Julius Randleness. <laughs> but if he can learn at this young stage how to dial himself back, rein himself in, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's really good off ball and, you know, finishing in motion and in movement. And LeBron James is finding him. He's quickly laying it up. And that's when he can leverage his quirky finishes. And then, oh, all of a sudden he's used to catching and shooting from three versus hardened step backing all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like he's becoming a well-rounded player. So what have your thoughts been on THT kind of learning really quickly, given all, all the things that have been thrown at him? And unfortunately, again, there's this new sort of, uh, wrench in there with the health and safety protocols, but hopefully he can come back sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think uh, the reason a lot of people were freaking out when he wasn't playing particularly well is just because the expectations of him are so high, <laughs> right? So because people really envision him as being like a soon-to-be all-star caliber player, uh, which is, there's this kind of like, ironic thing right because like he's a second round pick all that kind of stuff uh he's a diamond in the rough that once again our scouting department found and all of a sudden now though we've elevated him i think rightfully so to uh kind of a pedestal right so when he did look really really bad objectively it was like oh my gosh this guy's a bust it's like wow laker fans sure are kind of fickle <laughs> you know it's like way to go from one uh polar end to the other but like you said you know, since then, he has learned how to um, really fit into that starting unit. And what does stand out to me most on the offensive end is him moving, again, like without the ball, like you said. Him making those baseline backdoor cuts, LeBron finding him, um, him just getting easy dunks. You know, he doesn't even have to do his, like, reverse layup package or anything like that because there's nobody there. Um, <clears throat> and like you said, he has elevated his three point, you know, percentage by like 10 plus percent. Um, and it's because he's in better places to succeed. It's not just him isolating. Like you said, step back, even though he did hit like a couple of those, which, you know, maybe gave him that extra boost of confidence to keep doing it. Um, but the fact that, uh, yeah, he's in just better positions to succeed with the starters knowing that, yeah, he's probably going to close a lot of really important games too. Uh, so to continue to develop that chemistry with them uh, this early in the season is, is a good thing for sure. Um, I think defensively he's improving too. Um, you know, the length obviously speaks for itself, but you still have to be in a position, right, where you're not recovering so much if you get beat off the dribble or, you know, whatever it is, you're not rotating quickly enough. Uh, so I do think that he he's learning on that end of the floor too. And uh, like you said, you know, hopefully this is another case of a false positive or something like that. Uh, and he's not out for too long or he's asymptomatic or something. Yeah, for sure. Um, so kudos to THD. Hopefully he doesn't miss a beat when he returns and hopefully – he does the LeBron thing, the oh Mike Braun, and uh, returns uh, uh, negative soon. Oh um, regardless, that'll do it for this episode, Alan. Uh, the Mavericks are going to be without Luka Doncic, which might actually be a negative for the Lakers because they may not play up to their competition at that point, knowing that Luka's not there. I, I'm almost like, damn it, I wish Luka was there because you know LeBron is like oh, exactly. a protege. Yeah, we need yeah, to go yeah. for the head. He was supposed to be Team LeBron. He's not supposed to be Team Jordan. <laughs> exactly. But now we're going to be looking, and it's like, okay, Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith, let's oh, no. go. Oh, God. <laughs> you just 
Dude, just saying Jalen Brunson's name, like, oh, is this Villanova guy? He's probably going to, like, he's going to light us up. I know, I know. So let's hope for the best. Let's, okay, I think tomorrow, Alan, will be the true, like, a true test. That's so funny. Is this team actually going to lock in and focus? My God. Porzingis is going to play, so maybe that'll do us some sort of favor in terms of motivation. But regardless, it's like, okay. Just bang him up, Dwight. That's all we need. (laughs) Just take him out of the game right away. Set a couple of legal screens, you know, and that'll be it. So if we can somehow win tomorrow's game, then I will say, new turning point. We've turned that corner. We've turned that corner. (laughs) With that said, we will catch you guys next time. And Alan, welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. See ya. Lights. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.